They're thinking about the brutal loss that they had thought about the entire offseason. And now at training camp, they were finally ready to get back to work. They were eager to start the details that will help them and lead them into a championship. And their coach, Vince Lombardi, had a different idea. He began with the most elemental statement of all. He went into the locker room and he said, gentlemen, holding a football, this is a football. He went back to the very basics. And I think in a way, that's what Paul is doing in this section in 1 Corinthians. In his appeal for unity that he just talked about, he's addressing the Corinthian church and some problems that they had and some difficulties. And the divisions were one of those. It's almost as if Paul says, ladies and gentlemen, this is the cross. This is the basic elemental thing that's going to get you through and over these divisions and through these hurdles. The Corinthian church was divided because they picked up on the cultural practices of the world. And really, as a, as a fan of Jesus or a follower of Jesus, what he wants us to do is be separated from the world, is to be separated in our attitudes and our thoughts and our thinking. Paul talks about that in 1 Corinthians. He said, we are the holy ones. We are to be the, the separate ones. And so we are to be different than the world. And so the Corinthians allowed the philosophies and the practices of the world to seep into their fellowship. And so one of the practices of culture was to be very divided. Margaret Mitchell, a historian, notes that the wisdom of the world is the set of values and norms which divide persons of higher and lower status into separate groups, a wisdom which prefers dissension to unity, superiority to cooperation. In fact, in that time, Plato, the Greek philosophers, had a very strong influence in the city of Corinth. And he said this, The well-born have a title to rule the worst-born, and the stronger should rule the weaker, and that it is for the ignorant to follow and for the wise men to take over the lead and to rule. And so this was the philosophy of the world that the Corinthian church was living under and in. And it's no wonder then that they had divisions in the church. Paul is addressing the self-centeredness that is the the root of all sin. And so in this passage today, he's going to give us the solution. He's going to hold it up and he's going to say, ladies and gentlemen, this is the cross. This is the gospel. Because if you look in verse 17 of chapter 1, part, the second part of that, or I'll read the whole thing. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom and eloquence, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. There it is. He says it's the cross of Christ. That is the place where we find our power. That is the unifying factor that we see. So let's pick up in verse 18. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. He starts right away talking about two kinds of people. There's two kinds of people in the world. There are those who are perishing, and there are those who are being saved. It's the lost and the saved. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him. God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand signs. Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. Ladies and gentlemen, This is the cross, is what he's saying. But to those to whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, for the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. 
Paul is presenting a countercultural argument. And in presenting this argument, it is the cross that meets the needs as a way to illustrate what he is talking about. As a follower of Jesus, we are to live counterculturally. We are to live under the cross, following Jesus. And so Paul understood that the unification of all people from different places in life can only happen through the power of Jesus Christ. We talked last week, there's not much that binds us together, but it's the cross that brings us together. I read an article this week. If you've ever seen the Babylon Bee, it is a satire. You know what satire is? They present an article like it is real, but it really is presented to make a point. And so this was the article. Local believer... Okay, satire. This is not true, okay? Local believer Mike Crowder reported Thursday that he is really proud of himself for the way he has selflessly learned to love everyone who is exactly like him. The man has somehow been able to self-sacrificially empathize with and show love and support to people who are nearly identical to him in race, politics, socioeconomic background, and religion throughout his entire life. Reports confirmed. Radical, Christ-centered love means respecting and understanding the viewpoints of everyone who already agrees with you. Crowder said in a blog post, It's a long, hard road of giving more and more of yourself, but it's worth it in the end, since you can say you've walked in someone else's shoes, which are remarkably similar to your own. According to Crowder, the first step to learn Jesus is to make sure the people you're trying to love let there be light meet all, I can see in the dark, we're not stopping, meet all your requirements by agreeing with you on all major theological and political issues, and then you can start pouring yourself into their lives. As long as the person meets your criteria, you can start showing them the agape love that Jesus taught us about, he remarked. I'm really good at that. We laugh, but is that kind of how we live our lives? We live our lives in such a way that we love everybody who agrees exactly with us. In fact, if you don't agree with me, you're the enemy. If you don't agree with me, I'm not going to have anything to do with you. And so we live in this place. And so Paul says, no, in the church, it has to be different. You see, Paul was an equal opportunity offender. He offended both Jews and Gentiles. What does he say? He says, where is the wise person? Where is the philosopher? Those are the the pagan uh, people of his day. And then he talks about the Jewish scribe. And he says, this philosopher is is a debater, probably alluding to the factions that they had in Corinth. We love the debate. Just everything's an argument these days. It doesn't matter who you are, what you are, what you say. I can say one thing and there's always somebody else who's going to disagree and argue just for the sake of arguing. Paul said that's the way of the world. He seems to refer this extended discussion of particular issues like these pop orders of the day. So he says of this age. He says there is a wisdom, what? Of this age. So what did God do? He says, God has made foolish the wisdom of the world by the death of a Jewish carpenter who was crucified as a criminal. Talk about scandalous. 
Jesus took all those who thought they were wise and said, listen, I'm going to show you what real wisdom is. The things that you think are foolish, God does not think are foolish. And so he says that Jesus was crucified by human standards, but it was through that that we can come together. And so in verse 22, he says, Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. What is Christ crucified? A stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Greeks. You know, the people were always coming up to Jesus. Matthew chapter 12, this verse is on your notes. They were always looking for this miraculous confirmation of Jesus' claims. And Jesus refused to give it. In Matthew chapter 12, it says, Then some of the Pharisees and teachers of the law said to him, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. He answered, A wicked and adulterous generation asked for a sign, but none will be given it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. People are always coming up to Jesus and wanting things from him because they already had the wisdom of the scriptures and Jesus said, I'm not going to give it to you. And so Greeks also wanted these, these confirmations and these signs and they look for the wisdom. And so what Paul does is he says, listen, this, this message of Jesus is a stumbling block. Do you know what a stumbling block is? It's the word where we get scandal. It is an affront. It is a shock. It is an outrage. Can you imagine to the Jews, they see Jesus as the crucified Messiah? Look what Deuteronomy 21, 23 says on your notes. You are not to leave his corpse on the tree overnight, but are to bury him that day. For anyone hung on a tree is under God's curse. You must not defile the land the Lord your God has given you as an inheritance. The Jews look at anyone who was hung on a tree and they said that person was cursed. There must be something that they did. And God said, that's why it is a stumbling block, because they were looking for a certain Messiah and they missed it. And the Greeks also found different aspects of Christ's death foolish. A suffering God? Gods don't suffer. There's this perfect order and the perfect order can't be destroyed. And so the way to God can't be based on human speculation. And so what God does, what Jesus does is he offends both Jews and Gentiles. And here's the first thing is the gospel should challenge our assumptions. Shai, can you turn this stuff back on? The gospel should challenge our assumptions. In other words, it should come to us. It's on. The, the gospel needs to come in and it needs to be a scandal. It needs to be a stumbling block because God doesn't offer individuals what they want. Paul said this, the Jews look for signs and the Greek look for wisdom. And God said, I'm not giving either one of you what you want. If the gospel doesn't challenge our assumptions, we're not listening to the gospel. We're only listening to things and people that already agree with us. And that's the wisdom of the world. And Paul says, listen, the, this, the cross is scandalous. The message of Jesus is a scandal. What? It needs to be a scandal for everybody. It's got to cut across everybody's worldview. It's got to cut across everyone's assumptions. It's got to cut across everyone's wisdom. Because if it doesn't, I'm not seeing it for what it really is. And so he says, the wisdom of God is what? It is foolishness compared to us. But it is wiser than our wisdom. And God's strength is what? Wiser than our strength. We see the world in this upside-down kind of way. And so the gospel has to challenge our assumptions. Someone said this, The church is the only place where men do not lift up sword against one another and where they learn war against one another no more. In the world are the lawless. There's a difference 
between the church and the world. For them, only a superficial form of unity and temporary restraint against wickedness is maintained by enforcement of law. But for the citizen of God's kingdom, all arbitration is done peaceably and with love by the power of the Spirit of Christ. It's different in the church. It's got to be different in the church. And Paul says, if it, be, if it rests on human wisdom and human strength, it's probably not of God. It's, it's, it's of us. I just heard on the news this week that real estate agents are being asked before someone buys a house if the people in the neighborhood are liberals or conservatives. I don't want to live next to a Trump supporter. Or I don't want to live next to someone who's going to vote for Elizabeth Warren. Isn't that terrible? But that's the wisdom of the world on display. And Paul says, listen, in the church, it can't be that way. You need to love people regardless of their political persuasion, regardless of where they come from. That's what he just talked about at the beginning of the chapter. That's what creates the vision. And the church is the place where the only reason we get together is to love each other. We're not here for a political convention. We're not here to promote the latest thing. We are here to love each other, to serve one another, to share the gospel of Jesus. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the cross. It's got to come down to that. And in our worldly wisdom, we think we're so wise. And we are informed by everything except the cross of Jesus Christ. And our lives need to be cross-centered. Listen, positive thinking and possibility thinking do not substitute for repentance and trust in Jesus. He calls us to repentance. You know what repentance is? Repentance is a change of mind. It means I realize what I'm thinking is wrong and I repent and I change and now it changes the direction of my life. And so what does Paul do? He says, I'm going to offend everyone, Jews and Gentiles, and God is not going to give us what we want. He's going to challenge our assumptions. And so therefore, what do we need to do? Here's the action. Seek God's wisdom and power. That's the action. Seek God's wisdom and power. That's what he says. Look at verse 25. For the foolishness of God is wiser, what? Than human wisdom. And the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. And so in my life, what do I do? I seek the wisdom of God. That's what I do. Because if God challenges my assumptions, what I do is I seek his wisdom and his power. That's the cross. So Paul goes on. In verse 26, he says this. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Do you know what? I am thankful for that verse in the Bible. Whenever you're feeling a little less intelligent, whenever you're feeling like you're struggling, whenever you're feeling like you don't have it all together, whenever you feel like you don't have it like the other person, he says, no, listen, this is what we were when we were called. Because Paul was just going on about the visions. This person follows this teacher and this person follows this teacher. And we have this overemphasis on the professionals. Only the professionals can do ministry. Only the professionals can do this. Listen, we are all... Believers, as believers, we are all priests in God's kingdom. We all have a place. We all have a role. And God's gonna, uh, Paul's going to talk about that in a few minutes. Jared Wilson says this in The Imperfect Disciple. The customer, as they say, is always right. The problem with this is that the entry point for the kingdom is the denial and crucifixion of ourselves. You see, when I go before God, I don't say, God, I'm right. What I say is, you're right. 
and I'm wrong, and I seek your wisdom. And so the gospel not only has the power to create a kingdom of love and peace, it also has the power, think about this, it has the power to bring people together who the world considers the dregs of society. Look what Paul says. He goes on. Not, brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were 